HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Square. If you run a restaurant or business, Square has the tools to help you stay connected to customers, shift your business, and navigate this uniquely challenging time. Learn more at square.com slash go slash opening soon. Quote unquote normal will never be a thing until we have a vaccine. That comes from Ali Makdad, Chief Strategy Officer for Population Health at the University of Washington. It is imperative that we look beyond our media community and even beyond our leadership to ensure that we are all making practical decisions for a new future. We all need to shake the idea that this will be over, the lights will be turned on, and life will go back to normal. In that light, we're looking to Hong Kong. With a population of 7.45 million people, roughly the size of New York City, it has reported just over 1,000 cases of the virus and only four deaths. Unlike most parts of the world, they've not undergone a lockdown. Rather, they've undergone strict policies of social distancing and contact tracing to much success. As it pertains to restaurants and the businesses we plan to start reopening, they seem to be an example of successful and operational containment. Today, we're taking a look into the future at what we can do to reopen while maintaining team safety, customer health, and a sustainable business. Joining us from Hong Kong first is Matt Abishel, co-founder and chef of Yardbird and Ronin, as well as Sunday's Spirits. He's the author of Chicken and Charcoal from Fidon, and his neighborhood restaurant Yardbird is on the San Pellegrino's 50 Best Restaurants in Asia. Later, we will be talking to Asim Hussein, who co-founded Black Sheep Restaurants in 2012, and now has 26 restaurants, becoming one of the most prolific innovators on the forefront of Hong Kong's ever-evolving culinary scene. They have two Michelin stars, and his team has even created a COVID-19 operational playbook, which they've generously shared on their website with the world. Um, So we're going to dive right in with Matt of critically acclaimed Yardbird. We're so happy to have you here. Um, Welcome, Matt. Good evening. Hi. Hi. So we just started chatting about, um, you know, before we were catching up a little bit. So tell us what has been going on in in your world in Hong Kong. And, um, you know, you guys, you mentioned that you shut down for two weeks and then reopened, but have mostly been open during this. So give us a little bit of what the landscape has been like. I think, um, I mean, the first, the first kind of round of it happened just as uh, Chinese New Year was happening. So we we were actually closed for the week of Chinese New Year. And uh, at that time is when they started to kind of shut things down um, completely, uh, as far as like letting people in and out uh, of China and 
And so that's, I think, the, the Hong Kong government obviously has a very close tie to China, a.k.a. it's also China. <laughs> um, <laughs> another contentious topic. But, um, the yeah, they, they reacted, reacted quickly. I think the general public, I mean, things here, I guess I never really understood it. I moved here 11 years ago, and I was always kind of confused by these signs on all the elevators. You know, these these lifts are disinfected or sanitized every hour on the hour, and and the signs are those signs are everywhere. Um, and it never really made sense to me until this, because I mean, because of SARS. You know, they had SARS, and you know, it was much much more serious in Hong Kong than COVID has been in Hong Kong. Um, and so the all the kind of protocols to, you know, protect each other protect yourself uh you know the school is closing the public parks closing um swimming pools you know those kind of things were 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 kind of a swift closing of of for the from the government um but then also just everyone wearing masks everyone sanitizing everything all the time it was quite normal here it's not you know i've never obviously not to this extent uh, i've never seen it but people do wear masks all the time and so the culture is ready for this kind of thing. And I think a lot of people in Hong Kong saw what SARS did and how devastating it was and didn't not take it very, very seriously. So they, they took it very seriously and went forward. And then kind of fast forward to, you know, about a month ago um, when the second wave came in, when everyone in the rest of the world started freaking out uh, and it started to become very apparent that this was not something that was just going to affect China or just going to affect Italy or, you know, that it was something that was going to affect everybody. Um, you know, people, a lot of people started coming back, a lot of, you know, young, young students and just people, like, everyone that was not in Hong Kong that is from Hong Kong or lives in Hong Kong came back, uh, which then brought back, you know, a second kind of onslaught of, of cases, which is when we decided to close um, just for two weeks to try and figure out, what the hell we're doing and that's you know everything from just implementing these kind of more stringent rules to putting together a really good plan for takeaway and delivery which is not something we've ever done so it's pretty much as far as a business perspective that's kind of the way way it is it's just kind of the way it's been it's just lots of changes and constant shifting and waiting for governments like rules to come through and then them being extremely unclear, but having to interpret them and, you know, that kind of thing. So you guys close, so you guys shut down for two weeks in, yeah. in early March, you said, and, um, and regrouped. How did you, um, when you reopened, what, what kind of things did you do to, um, change your, aside from which I, I want to get to, because I think it's, um, it'll be interesting to hear how you do yakitori to go. I don't think it's just a normal thing that would that would hold for thirty minutes the same way that you've been putting it out. Um, but how did you, you know, how did you convert the way your staff works, the way your customers come into the restaurant um, after that that short closure to kind of regroup? Well, it's. I mean, you can start with the with the staff. Um, you know, everyone. As you come into the restaurant, as you start your shift, you're you have to you know record your temperature. Uh, so the manager on duty records the temperature of every single staff member every day when they come in, uh, and then um, 
basically like i mean it's very strict you don't feel good like there's no like anything you have a sniffle you have a cough you have any kind of symptom of any sort then it's absolutely mandatory you don't come to work um you know whereas i think in our in our culture our restaurant culture that that's always been like this this kind of weird stigma is like oh you know you're you're sick like you're a pussy you know like that kind of thing right. it's like that kind of that kind of behavior obviously i, I mean it's just it's that's completely off the table now and and just not not taking any chances um and then when people come in first of all the restaurant has to be um it was up to half capacity uh and there has to be a meter and a half between every table uh there can't be more than four people per table you can't serve people over a bar anymore so you can people can sit at a bar but you can't serve them over the bar so you can serve them from behind um so there's kind of like and then we and then there's partitions if you basically like we have booths and if those booths you can't obviously spread a meter and a half but they're back to back so you can put partitions uh i think that the like and a lot of like i said a lot of these rules are are up to interpretation and have been interpreted in you know whatever ways people see fit and certain people have been fined and certain people have gotten away with it and certain people have you know kind of created the, the um but i mean coming into the restaurant you have to sign a declaration saying that you haven't traveled in the last 14 days you have no symptoms um we take their temperatures you know they they sign they sign a, a this this paper we sanit you know they put the pen into a container we sanitize those pens everyone squirts sanitizer on their hands before they sit down um you have to have a mask on if you come into the restaurant uh we give them a little wax paper bag to keep their mask in during the meal um if they're waiting like outside we have seats outside that they have to be a meter and a half apart it's about it i guess are and most then, of those are most of these things adopted by by the restaurant tour or are they government mandated uh, those are government mandated. Almost all of those are government mandated. I think like there's obviously certain interpretations of them, like, like how far you're going to take them, how stringent you're going to be. Um, but we were super like adamant even before the kind of like kind of gave like the government mandates came through. Um, you know, we we kind of we tried our best to to figure out what we were going to do and not wait for the government because I mean even when the government uh did announce everything it's it's always they announce it in chinese and then they have a english um interpretation and the english right. interpretation is also is always very vague uh so we're just kind of <laughs> trying to get like trying to figure it out you know and and but always erring on the side of caution and you know like just getting through it how have the guests like responded to these new restrictions are has it been a barrier for them wanting to come out to eat or do you feel like now that some time has passed people are like abiding by it because they're just so antsy to get back to restaurants people are 100 percent abiding by it we've had very little pushback i mean like you know sometimes people come in and and not some i mean i think it's happened twice where you know they come in as a party of six and we tell them we can't seat them all together but we try and seat them one and a half meters apart four people at one table and two people at the other and if that's not okay then they can go home or they you know like it's it's not this is not like, it's not, you know, obviously this is not our choice or not. This is not like what we, what we want for these people to experience, but we, 
as long as with, it's within the framework, we'll do everything we can to make people's, you know, experiences good. Um, and I think it's just, it's just what is necessary, you know? And I think that people, people are going to be fine with it. And if they're not fine with it, then, I mean, are we allowed to swear on this thing? Is, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, go for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then they can go fuck themselves. Like it, it's, you know, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, like this is, this is the world we live in. This is how, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to run a business that is safe for our employees. That is safe for customers and you know it's it's we're we're working against something that's very it's just invisible and unknown so like what you know there, there's just nothing that we can no no precautions we can't take i mean so given that you know there are like these rules and the and all the restrictions like from a business perspective you know your dining rooms have to be probably at half capacity of what they previously were are you filling up that half capacity? Are there enough people willing to come out and dine? And it sounds like you had to diversify your model with takeout. So tell us a little bit about how that's all working out for you. Yeah, I mean, both restaurants, I mean, Ronin is a very, very small restaurant. So we can only fit 12 people with the half capacity, uh, given given the distance, because it's just like a long kind of hallway of a restaurant. Um, and Yardbird we're doing much less than half capacity because a large part of our business used to be like people standing around these kind of pillars and drinking and eating and, and, and waiting, waiting was a big part of the experience at Yardbird. Um, well, it's also so a big we part of revenue in most restaurants. It's waiting is, is drinking and drinking is money. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Go on. So Sorry. our food, our food sales, I mean, our food sales are, are relatively similar at the end of the day because people just eat, a lot more now. Like when they sit, they're sitting for two hours. <laughs> I eat a lot more. I can I can vouch for that. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the amount people order and take away and the and delivery, like just the sheer quantity. But of course, no no booze. So you know the right. kitchen's working. The kitchen's working, uh, kind of the same amount as you would when we were serving three hundred guests a night. When we're really only serving one hundred and twenty uh, throughout the night. Um, right. But you know what? Like, I'm just super, I'm very grateful, like, for what we have and, and how adaptable Hong Kong is, is as a city. And, like, it's, it's been very, you know, it's, of course, everyone feels down and, like, confused and unsure and uncertain of what the hell is going on. But as a whole, I think that, you know, like, just, you know, they've done a really, the city is just resilient. And they're, they're you know, they're, it's not it's not the kind of place that just like lays down and and doesn't take action. So it's been it's been good. We've been lucky. How in that light I asked us in the, the same question, how how do you keep um how do you keep your staff and your team uh excited to come to work and in light of the the anxiety and the stress and the um the gloom that you know that covers having a half empty restaurant? It hasn't been as much of a challenge. I, you know, it's funny as I think that, I mean, for at least for, for me, my kitchen has been really positive and very um, surprisingly easy just to adapt. I, I feel like I'm, I need to like answer that for myself more. Like how, the, how do I stay positive? Why go in there and like everyone's, it seems like they're, they're good. You know, the front of house obviously is a little bit different. It's a little bit more, it's, it's a, it's a different effect because 
like I said, the kitchen is still just kind of pumping food and, and had a lot of new things to figure out. So it was the new challenges for them kept them distracted enough to, to be okay. Do you and, have a reduced staff or are you? No, we're working at full capacity, actually. Um, Even the front difference house? Is, front house as well, yeah. The difference is oh, wow. in Hong Kong, uh, most um, restaurants, most restaurant employees are salaries salaried employees they're not hourly uh so our goal from the beginning was to not um lay anybody off and to see how far we can go you know we basically kind of treated my restaurant like it was you know a couch and i was 17 and i really really wanted to buy something and i just basically dug into it and we found every facet every place we could look how we can produce and, and work together and you know it, it's we're not there yet we're still losing a good amount of money every month um but it's it's gotten a lot better i mean i'm also lucky because i have an investor who's understanding and who's supportive and his main thing too is like you know i just don't think we just didn't want to lose anybody um so is, is hong kong been, seeing are other restaurants laying people off or is, is that do you think it's unique that you guys are able to keep full staff i I think a lot of people have been laid off. I mean, I know a lot of people laid off, been laid off. Um, and that's, that's of course, a totally understandable thing. The thing is about Hong Kong is that it doesn't have unemployment. Like, uh. like the, the US or the UK. Like UK, you know, they came in really quickly with that 75% of, of you know, they'll be covering like 75% of furloughed or, or laid off people. Whereas there isn't really that support in Hong Kong. Um, minimum wage is very low. We, we don't, I mean, we don't even, no one in our restaurants paid minimum wage, but it's very low and taxes are very low. And as you know, cost of living is very high. So, I mean, for us, our priority was just trying to maintain, you know, like we, we could stand to lose a certain amount of money, whereas young people or older people that have families and, and things like that, the cost would just would just escalate so quickly. And yeah, so I mean, we, I'm, I mean, I'm very happy to say that, that that's the case and, and we've managed without it. But there's also wasn't that many options in Hong Kong. Like you don't have the option of going to the government as a business or as, a, as an individual and being like, well, I'm unemployed. Can I get half of my salary? It just doesn't exist. Um, so, yeah, that's been, and our, and our restaurant is very family oriented, tried, like, you know, Tara is my sister who you've been, you know, work, uh, talking to and stuff, but like, you know, we, we work, we try and work together as much as we can to take care of each other. You know, we've taken some pay cuts, you know, I've taken a pay cut and, and upper management has taken a pay cut, but we've done our best to try and keep everyone, keep everyone as whole as possible. Amazing. I think, it's, I think it's pretty, pretty awesome that you've been able to hold on to your staff, especially given in light that they sounds like they don't have a backup plan in Hong Kong. Um, tell us a little bit about, uh, just because I'm curious, how do you turn um, a cuisine that is like essentially meant to be served from the chef to the guest and eaten immediately into <laughs> a takeaway item? Uh, how, how do you do that? Uh, well, we, we basically turn to the oldest trick in the book, which are foil chicken bags. uh rotisserie chicken bags that we have gotten to a smaller size and that's pretty much it we we serve a limited amount of yakitori um like we it on on the delivery um we're 
you know, like certain things just don't travel at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, really it's, it's, it's not ideal. Uh, I'm going to say that there's no, there's no two ways about that. I mean, there's certain things of our menu that, that do travel really well, but you know, it's not, it's not, it's not the ideal way to eat. Egg. Right. Have um, you expanded the, the to go menu with new things or just keeping it limited? No, we try and do the opposite. Actually, we try and you know we want the to go menu to be to be limited. We've we've tweaked some recipes, you know, changed the batters and, and things like certain uh, fried items, certain fried items to travel better. Um, the, the the flow of the kitchen has had to be completely kind of reworked because just the the ticket systems that we had before were were just like an order fire system. So like the ticket comes in for the one you know one set of skewers or one skewer or whatever or whatever it is and the and the, the chef just makes it right away and basically okay. it's up it's up to the waiter to to time things out they just come we just make things as fast as we can and send them out as fast as we can um so now just like when you get a giant to-go order and now you have to have put it all into a bag and it, it was it was a big learning curve for us we had to like carve out a whole separate part of the like what used to be kind of a service bar we now is like we have like two staging areas and plating area, like our bagging areas. It's a very, uh, it's a very, very challenging concept mentally for me because it's just like nine years of not doing that and never, even <laughs> not, never even considering it, you know, right. that was never, that was never an option. It wasn't something that, you know, but like you said, like, you know, that's, it is what it is. And it, right. and, and at the end of the day, like people have been really appreciative of it and, and are, are excited for it. And, you know, if, if it gives them some joy and if there's some, and it helps our business, obviously, hugely, um, then I, you know, I mean, I hope I don't have to do it forever, but I think I probably will. That's the other reality. That's what I was going to ask you if, you, if it's something that you would, you know, continue or spin off into a new concept or you know just either because of the economics or because of the response i mean ironically we were actually in the middle of uh before all this shit happened we were we were working on a new concept um which is called rotitori and that's a rotisserie chicken concept with kind of a japanese lens okay um and that's going to be opening at the end of may but that was pre-covid like that was like we did we did a we did we started it like two years ago, kind of developing it two years ago. Um, but ironically, I think that is probably the best, like that kind of food does travel the best. Like I, That's for me, timing, rotisserie yeah. Chicken, yeah, for rotisserie chicken, I, I, I would rather, I mean, look, I, I, I the, the biggest stress for everybody and is, is not knowing, right. We don't know what the hell's going on. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, I just want to stay ready and, and innovate as much as I can within the cuisine that we have. And, and it, and it does change and it will change, but yeah, I don't, I didn't really get in, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a weird time to be a restaurateur and a chef and, and to have to try and even think about the future, you know, like to try and, and get ready for it. It's, it's a very, uh, it's a really weird time. It is. I think, uh, in a lot of ways, though, I th- you know, it's the very nature of, of a cook, of a hospitality professional, to sort of live in the moment, think on the fly, react and respond to how things, you know, happen in an instance. So, if, I think if anybody, yeah. in any group, can handle this, I think the hospitality industry certainly can. Um, yeah. We only have a couple of minutes, but I want to ask you, just as we talked about, you know, obviously the t- 
decline of liquor sales in restaurants and that that will probably continue. How are you, have you seen a pickup in, you have a spirit brand, have you seen a pickup in that or do you think people are drinking less or do you think people are just getting their booze elsewhere? I think people are drinking less in general. Um, but I think that was happening again, even before COVID that we started seeing like a decline in, in sales and alcohol beforehand. But I think that, um, people, like, I think that it, it, on the weekends, people really do, uh, go for it. Um, but on the, on the weekdays, we've definitely seen a much, like much less, much less consumption booze. I think, no you know, people got to go, yeah, I mean, people got to go home to their kids. They, you know, like they, they, they got to go home to their wives. They got to go home to, to reality. And, and I think that like a lot of people probably use booze to, to deal with it. But I think a lot of people are avoiding it also because it's, it's just too much. You know, you don't really have I'm that excuse. I'm finding myself drinking way have. more. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm, I'm like, I'm just hitting it hard. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, no, it's, but it's true. It's if you take away the social thing. aspect of it, it's certainly, yeah. Uh, we are very appreciative of your time, Matt. And, um, pleasure. we're definitely looking toward what you guys are doing over there so that we can, we can all get back in a, in a different and new way. Any parting yeah. words or advice for your colleagues and fellow chefs and restaurateurs in the U S as they think about what the future is going to look like for them it's going to be okay i think that's that's, you know so i'm just going to be i'm going to be positive on that and just say you know it's going to be okay that we need to just take it one day at a time you can't you can't project yourself too far in the future and and get caught up in that Um, and i guess you know we can't we we got to take care of the people that we need to take care of. And, and sometimes, you know, our egos and our pride can get in the way. And I think that, you know, if we got to do takeaway and we got to feed people, like that's what we're meant to do and try, you know, I, I don't know. I think, like you said, you know, chefs and, and, and hospitality F and B we're, we're resilient and we're creative and, and I, I, now's the time, you know, like you have nothing to lose really except for everything. So just, fucking, <laughs> just for just go, you know, just go for it. Like there's no, there's no time to, no time like the present just to, to try and right. to take, take, take this, you know, wear a mask, wash your hands, like take it seriously and, and don't be scared of alienating people when they come into your restaurant by taking their temperature and making them fill out a form and wearing a mask. Like if anything, it's, it's just going to create a better environment for the future, for your restaurant, for your staff, for your customers and, it's fucking weird. Don't get me wrong, but it helps. Cool. We appreciate it. Don't fuck around. It'll be okay. <laughs> yes. We got it. Do you want to tell everybody where they can find um, you on social and your restaurants just before we let you go? So they can look. The restaurant, to- social, restaurant social is uh, Yardbird HK and Ronin HK. I personally do not participate in the social, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the restaurants are on there strong and uh yeah thanks again matt for joining us Pleasure. this episode is brought to you by square we all know that this is an incredibly challenging time for our friends running restaurants and small food businesses with social distancing in place people are staying home and eating in and restaurants have had to pivot to pick up and delivery only 
HRN would usually be recording our podcast from our studio inside Roberta's. But since they've had to close their dining room, they've ramped up their frozen pizza production, set up a wine and grocery shop, and seen their delivery orders skyrocket. Like Roberta's, many restaurants have been changing offerings day by day as they figure out how to best serve their customers. If you run a restaurant or a small business, Square has the tools to help you adapt. One of these tools is the Square online store. It lets you set up a free online ordering page with curbside pickup and local delivery so you can keep customers safe. You can deliver orders yourself or integrate with delivery partners. Its order hub lets you manage all your incoming orders in one place, no matter which delivery partners you choose to use. Square has all the tools to help you stay connected to customers no matter where they are. See everything that's available by visiting square.com slash go slash opening soon. Okay, so this morning um, we are welcoming to the show. It's evening here in New York City, but it's the morning um, in Hong Kong. And we have Awesome from um, Black Sheep Restaurant Group, who has 24 restaurants and counting in Hong Kong. Um, So we will just dive right in. You know, we wanted to chat with somebody on the other side of the world who um, has been going through and managing the COVID crisis for you guys. I think it's been since January. Is, Is that right? Well, first of all, Jenny, we have 26 restaurants. We've worked hard, man. Do not take two away from us. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The last article I said said yeah, 24. A, yeah, 26. My my bad. As a preface, mm. too, since 2012, which I think is pretty remarkable, um, aside from this whole COVID situation. <laughs> Congrats. Okay, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. So, look, we have been dealing with this COVID pandemic since um, since mid-Jan, but I, I think I need to sort of take you guys back a little bit to uh, to give you guys a, um, a broader picture. In Hong Kong, the restaurant industry has been reeling for longer. You know, we last year had um, had a summer of social unrest. There were a lot of political protests. Um, so we have been a ho- between a rock and a hard place since uh, since last June. In fact, you know, I uh, the the, the pro- last year's protest pulled demand twenty to thirty percent lower during uh, during uh, the height of the COVID pandemic, and I think the worst is behind us now. We were about sixty to seventy percent uh, below we need where we needed to be. So uh, yeah, things have been things have been difficult. So in in so so yeah so you guys have been reeling now for like six to to nine months um, and it's so in Hong Kong you the restaurants actually never were instructed to close right so you've been just social social distancing since January essentially and having so what does that look like for you all like physically so there, there has never been a government mandated shutdown for restaurants um, what what I think. What I think is something that we have done really well in our world is I, I, I got together with my leadership team mid-Jan and we started sort of building a framework under which we felt we could keep our restaurants open. You know, we, it, was, it started with really small things like doing temperature checks for, for everyone walking into our doors, uh, whether it's members of our team, suppliers, uh, guests in the evening. Uh, we no one could walk in without having their temperature taken. 
then we started adding things like leaving uh, bottles of small bottles of, of sanitizers on every table. Then we started mandating our, our folks to uh, wear hygiene masks in, in the kitchens and on the floors of our restaurants. Then we started asking guests to also wear hygiene masks. So we, we started sort of building a framework that, that has sort of become this fully blown COVID protocol that we have been following since since uh, Um We, I, I am, I'm really proud of the work that we've done um, this year fighting the pandemic. You know, I, I, I don't know if you guys are aware or not, but we we built this. Uh, we we made our COVID playbook public, uh, and 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 since then it's been. You know, we've had emails from not only restaurant people in Hong Kong, but restaurant people from all over the world uh, 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 expressing their gratitude. Um, we also, I, th- I think the government of Hong Kong uh, picked up on, on everything that we were doing. So we were invited to, um, we were invited last month, my business partner, Chris and I, to come advise the, uh, advise the government, uh, the policymakers over here on, on sort of policies that they were drafting. So it's been, it's been a busy, it's been a busy spring for us in the black sheep world. I understand. Yeah. We've, we've definitely been looking through the playbook that you guys have created. And um, I think it's really remarkable one that you've built this in such a short amount of time for your own team, but that you've also, you know, kindly shared it with, with the rest of Hong Kong and with the world. And we're, we're really excited to, you know, be able to share this hopefully with a few more people that haven't found it yet. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff in here and I think some of the, the most interesting stuff is, um, how to me anyway, and I think, you know, I think it's something that restaurateurs in New York and in the U S are still wrapping their heads around is how to get, um, how to monitor the guest and how, how the guests, I guess, are perceiving these new protocols that you've put in place. Can you tell us a little bit about how, your your customers have come into the restaurant and been accepting or or maybe not so accepting of temperature checks and those kind of things hey so i I have a few things uh to say on this and i'll try to stay organized the first thing is as we started building this this framework uh, back in jan we knew that there was going to be guest backlash and and very early in the piece we said to ourselves we're not going to care that we we knew that this is something that we had to put in place to protect our people. You know, I, if you ask me what are, what are three things that have kept me up at night over the last uh, quarter, it's, 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 it's the safe, health and safety of my people. One, number one, number two, number three. So I, uh, you know, we, we, are very, we, we are very hospitable people. Hospitality is, 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 is what we do. But for... For for this thing, that sort of went out the window. We 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 said that even if this is going to upset our guests, or or where um, we are going to, going to make sure that the, we we keep adhering to the protocols that we built. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, we, we have upset people. You know, there was a night early March where we had to turn away over fifty guests across our restaurants in Hong Kong. I, you know, it, it may small, sound like a, like a small number, but uh, across 25, 26 restaurants. But when, uh, when you're reeling, when, when, from an economic perspective, have been reeling for, for a year, 
every little dollar, every every dollar coming in counts. So uh, I, I just think that we've sort of had a maniacal commitment to uh, to the protocol that we built. Um, and that's my advice to um, to everyone that sort of is in the process of getting ready to to reopen. We have to, you have to build these protocols, and then you have to understand that you are doing this to keep your people safe on the front lines. And if that offends people, then then it offends people. You know, I um, I was speaking with I won't I won't name them, but um, there's a small restaurant team out of New York. They reached out to me last week asking for advice, and I I one advice that I have I had for them and I have for your listeners as well is we we all there's going to be a new framework uh, within which we exist. Anyone waiting for things to return to normal is going to be waiting for a long time. I'll in fact say I'll I'll I'll, I'll in fact say that things are not going to return to normal. Uh, at least till the world's ready uh, to deploy a vaccine um, uh, for 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 the for COVID on on a mass scale. Uh, so I think I think the I think for for good players, um, just doing just doing food and and service at a high level is not going to be enough. I think also we now need to understand what what it what it's going to take to be to find success within this new framework what what do i mean by that i mean by that for example is that i think physical distancing is here to stay so we won't be able to run our dining rooms at full capacity for at least for the next 4 to 5 quarters um so that this is something that i am spending a lot of time with my people on um uh, in in Hong Kong at the moment, just trying to understand what this new framework looks like, and then trying to sort of answer how do we find success in this new framework? Right. How do you how do how do you become or, or maintain some sort of profitability in a restaurant that's at fifty percent capacity? I mean, if uh, how how does that continue for a year, or or is the goal simply um, maintain stability and not lose more than you? Then you can handle over the next year and and you know look forward to to eighteen months or six quarter seventh quarter whatever is out there we for for black sheep we'll only be able to survive this if we survive this is because we've done good work in the past you know we've been around uh, we've been around for eight nine years now, and we had a lot of success our first six seven years of business, so that sort of allowed us that will allow us to continue to survive. I know for other players, it, how, how do you survive in a, in a, for, how do you survive three consecutive quarters of, of financial losses in a business where margins are razor thin? I, it's, it's impossible. Um, so I, 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 do, I do acknowledge that we are uh, in a privileged position. Um, what else do I want to say around this? I, I, we are lucky in Hong Kong that we are now seeing business starting to return. For example, last night was, was, was a Wednesday night here, and uh, yesterday was the fourth consecutive day where we've had zero cases. That's the first time that's happened since early Jan for us. So the restaurants were really busy. People, people are starting to come out again. We, I think we had, I haven't seen the numbers yet. I think financially we had the best night we've, uh, we've had this year last night. So. Um, the good news is 
this is not the end of restaurants. You know, we are going to come back, uh, but we just have to understand that it's going to be, it's going to, we are going to return um, and we'll have to exist under a new framework. Uh, you know, I, 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 I see, I see reports about uh, how this is the end of uh, brick and mortar restaurants. And I, I, I strongly feel that that stuff is, is, is overstated. Um, you know, I, you can never, nothing will come close to the romance and charm of, of eating at a restaurant that you don't get the same love for, uh, from, from a, a box delivered to your doorstep. <laughs> that is true. You- there's not the same amount of enjoyment. And I think that is really going to be comforting for our listeners here in the U.S. to hear that people are starting to come out and that it, you know, and are, are starting to dine. I mean, do you feel like there's pent up demand and that, you know, you're st- as, as the, you know, the days are getting farther and farther between since the last reported cases that people are starting to book more reservations? And are you, are you seeing any signs of that? Yes, of course. I, um, I can only speak for what's happening within our world. We've built up really um, uh, amazing goodwill with our community, with our guests. And I know that our people were chomping at the bit. They couldn't wait to come out and support us. So I've, I've met a lot of guests uh, this week in our dining room saying that you, this is the first restaurant I've come back to. I couldn't wait to come back and support you guys. So my advice also would be to sort of leverage, leverage the goodwill that operators have built over the last few years in, uh, in, in whatever city, city they operated. Um, so uh, we, we, are seeing, we are seeing a lot of support. In fact, uh, I was being a little paranoid last night and I was, I was speaking with my team and I was saying that we have to make sure that we keep adhering to these protocols that we've built. You know, like I was saying earlier, um, some things within this new framework are here to stay, physical distancing, yeah, sanitizer bottles on all tables. Um, where we have we we have mandated everyone on our team to wear hygiene masks. So, with restaurant demand coming back, I was saying to my team that we have to make sure that uh, we 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 remain maniacal about following the procedures and protocols that we built. Um, I I've been saying this. I have been saying this since Jan that this even if doing all of this increases our chances of, of survival by 1%. Uh, I, I like those odds. I'll take those odds. <laughs> you know what I mean? In, in, a, in, a, in, a, world where, in a world where there's uh, so much uncertainty, even 1% helps. For sure. I, think, I mean, I think for as a, as a diner myself, I, I like the idea of going to a restaurant that's taking it very seriously and that has these sort of you know, these very clear outlines of how they're um, addressing the issues that are facing restaurants today. Um, I, th- I, I, think that, I, think, I think on that, I'm sorry, we also have to acknowledge that it sucks. Like, like <laughs> you just check at a restaurant and hygiene masks and uh, sanitizer bottles, like, like it's, it's horrible, but... Simple uh, practical question, but how, how do diners wear a face mask and have dinner? I, I feel like that's a question so, that comes up a lot. Uh, is there a ter- course, time when you can pull it down? What, what, what we do is we offer, we offer every guest a, uh, a paper bag. So you walk in with a hygiene mask, you take it off as you're eating, you put it in a, in a paper bag and you take it back on as you're leaving the restaurant. So I'll send you, I'll send you guys some pictures. 
Um, <laughs> so we, we got we got these. We made these really neat uh, paper bags um, where guests can store their um, their face masks uh, as as they're eating. Has there been a lot of like customer education as when it when you started doing these things? Were people, you know, were people confused? Were they looking around trying to f- figure out what to do? So there, there was a lot of uh, th- we had to do a lot of team education. Uh, you know, I um, Hong Kong is a, a, an extremely international city, similar to New York. Um, lots of languages spoken inside a restaurant. Uh, people from different backgrounds, from different countries. So um, we had to, it was almost like being back at school. We had to sort of conduct a lot of uh, classes and training and coaching about what this thing was and how we, how we prevent, prevent ourselves. Um, you know, I, we, we, that was something that we did extensively in Jan and Feb. Um, for guests, I think what, 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 what helped us and what has helped us is Hong Kong dealt with the pandemic uh, uh, 20 years ago. We had SARS in Hong Kong 20 years ago. So whatever PTSD we've de- we, we developed at that time, I think is, is helping us. You know, it's not uncommon in Hong Kong during flu season for everyone in the, in the subway to be wearing a hygiene mask. So some of this has been a part of our, 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 our daily life in Hong Kong for the last 20 years. I, I actually joke that I, I, I haven't touched an elevator button in Hong Kong for you know that that sort of helps yeah I think in those ways it it is true it's like nobody here wears a face covering and so it this is all like very uh, on a regular basis so this is all very new territory I think in the U.S. and in major cities here and I think it's part of the reason why we were so ill-prepared and why I think people are having such a hard time envisioning what this all is going to look like when when people do start reopening and returning on this, you know, slow phase back. And, you know, we asked a little bit about the practicality from the diner perspective, but also like, what about this, the staff? I mean, it's, you know, common for chefs to be tasting um, dishes. It's common for psalms to be tasting their wine before they pour a glass. Like how, how has that changed and how have you been communicating that to the guests so that their like, you know, minds are at ease? So, I'll, I'll give you a small example. We uh, we have uh, one of our, one of our restaurants is this restaurant Balon. It's one Michelin star. It's an excellent restaurant. We had an issue there a few nights ago where guests ordered a beautiful bottle of wine. The psalm took their mask off to to smell the wine, and the guests didn't like it. So I I think that I think there's there's so much understanding and awareness of the issue that uh, that. Protection against the uh, against the disease is taking priority over everything else, and I think I think that sort of is when I te- when I talk about this new framework, that's the new framework. That maybe maybe psalms need to go to the back room when they open a, a, a bottle of wine and take their mask off, then smell the wine, taste the wine, decant the wine, and then bring it back to the dining room. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely this strange new world that we're going to be entering and I think it'll be less intimate in some ways. I mean, does your, do you feel like the dining culture is, is changing there because of all these like, you know, hygiene procedures to make people feel more comfortable to want to come out? Do you feel like it's changing like the lively convivial nature of, of how your dining rooms maybe used to be? A hundred percent, you know, it's not the same level of, uh, 
when I walk into a dining room, when I walked into our, our dining rooms this week and last week, I haven't seen the same level of, it's not as convivial or it's not the same level of camaraderie. Uh, but people are also nervous, you know, we're, we're just starting to come back out and uh, where we are unsure if we are going to get hit by, by with a third wave of infections. So in Hong Kong, we had our first wave of infections in Jan. There was a second wave of, of infections in March. So people are wary uh, and it definitely has, it's, it's 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 tough, you know. It definitely sort of uh, it's, it's it's not the same as before. So this is why I keep talking about what uh, uh, about uh, people wanting operators wanting the things for, for things to go back to normal. Uh, we'll be waiting for a long time. Uh, it's a right. you know I say I, I say that like I say that good restaurateurs are are like jazz musicians. They improvise. Uh, we've got to improvise now. Right. How are you? How are you maintaining keeping staff morale in a good place when there's this obvious um, addition of anxiety of one getting themselves sick? There's an added stress that they need to be at work and take care of their customer and their coworkers and uh, contribute towards the larger picture of, of your restaurant group. Man, uh, that's a really good question. You know, I. Uh, uh... Adversity is an interesting thing, you know. Uh, it either breaks you or you, it, it sort of brings you together. And um, I'm, I'm happy to report uh, that the latter has happened in the black sheep world. You know, we, we at the height of this, uh, even as we were keeping our restaurants open, we said to our we said to our people on the front lines that if they feel uncomfortable being in the restaurants, we we would completely understand if they wanted to take a leave of absence. Um, we were we are a community of close to a thousand strong. Not one person took a leave of absence. Um, uh, of course, that's driven by economics as well. Um, but also, I, I I think that this this adversity has brought us together. But I I, I will say on this uh, that we did lots of really cool things over the la- over our first six seven years of existence to invest in our culture. You know I. Uh, in the in the black sheep world, we uh, we're sort of crazy about um, about our culture, our community, uh, investing in our people, and that served us well. I, I think all the goodwill that we built with our people to within our community over the last seven eight years, I I, I needed all of that, every inch and ounce of inch and ounce of that uh, to uh, to fight this thing. Um, so I. I, it's it's it, 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 interesting. It's a good question. I, I understand what you're saying, uh, but I think we really had to leverage um, uh, our culture. Understood. Yeah. We're we're um, we're immensely appreciative of your time and, and getting up this morning and chatting with us. Any, any um, parting advice for for us on the other world, other side of the world that are you know, months, I guess, uh, behind where you guys are right now? Yeah. I'm just, I, I, I want to reiterate what I said earlier. This is not the end of us. I just say to anyone listening and, and feeling pessimistic, I just want to say to you that we're going to come back. We're going to come back in a, in a big way. I'll, in fact, argue that the work that we do, um, um, that the work that, the rest, work that restaurant people do will be even more important uh, when all is said and done. So just... Um, Stay optimistic, keep fighting. We'll we'll get to a good place. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Can you, um, and I, and I agree with you, you know, we think if there's one thing that we've always learned is that hospitality always comes back. People always need a place to enjoy, to celebrate, to dine and, and to, you know, have that place where they feel special and welcomed and, and just enjoy good food and, and everything. So it's tough now, but we know everybody needs to hang in. Um, but tell our listeners where they can find your SOP and where they can find um, more information about Black Sheep and, and you guys on social as well. Oh, man, I should have prepared this. <laughs> the, <laughs> book is on, the book is on our website. So it's just blacksheeprestaurants.com uh, backslash covid um, we actually are in the process of updating our book because there's been, uh, because now there's this, there's some responsibility on us because so many people are relying on our book. So we, um, we're up, we, we've, we've found, we've had, we've had new information in the last four or five weeks. So we're going back and updating the book with, uh, with new information. For example, one thing we're seeing now in Hong Kong is that our supply chains are being disrupted. So we're adding a chapter on how we're dealing with that, how, how we're developing our, our menus considering these global supply chain, food supply chain disruption. Sure, and we'll, we'll link to, um, to your playbook as well. I think it's uh, going to be crazy helpful for people to be able to read through this that, that haven't already found it. So thank you again. You're welcome, guys. Please, uh, please stay safe. Same Absolutely. to you. you as well. We look forward to hearing about 27 and 28. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.